Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. Again, good morning welcome to the Gay Buddhist Fellowship. We use this opportunity to introduce ourselves to each other. My name is Howard. I'm Larry. <laughs> Douglas. Paul. Todd. Carl. George. CJ. Karen. Pam. Good to be back here. It's a blessing. I've I've learned a lot in front of this altar mm-hmm. over the years, and from everyone here, and those who are gone from here. And so I thought it would be a good way to begin would be to um, renew vows that I took many many years ago, but have taken many times with this sangha. And one of the uh, things that we tried to do, I remember in the 90s, was to get a choir going. Some of you will remember that. Now, I would like to use this particular rattle because it was given to me by Paul Dalwick, 
who worked tirelessly for us in many ways. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work for this because it's too loud. So I'm just going to uh, put it on the altar here and remember. And I think before we begin that, what I'd like to do in um, the shamanic traditions of which I'm a student, before we begin, we always smudge ourselves off with a incense that comes from the region. Now these particular sticks are um, created at Shasta Abbey, a coming together of shamanism and Buddhism. So if you just pass this around and if you'd like to just smudge yourself off with it, it uh, cleanses your air. And while I'm doing that, I just want to, I just want to take you to anyone that would like to join me in any way if you've taken the vows already, it's a dusty vows. And it's just reiterating for you. And this is what we were starting to do in the 90s. I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shows me the way in this life. Buddha Dhammaya, Buddha Dhammaya, Buddha Dhammaya. I take refuge in the Dharma, the way of understanding and love. Dhamma, Namo Dhammaya, Namo Dhammaya, Namo Dhammaya. I take refuge in the Sangha, the way of understanding and love. Namo Sangaya, Namo Sangaya, Namo Sangaya. Ho! Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know, I started out on this path, um, starting to become an Episcopal priest. This was back in. Uh, <coughs> 1956, and I'd begun to read at that time uh, Jack Kerouac's On the Road and his other writings, so it began to be the uh, Buddhism began to enter into my life. And I read, um, at that time it was uh, Watts' book on Zen. And out of this I began to um, crib together my own understanding and my own path, as it were. Uh, theological school didn't work out. I had a crotch crisis. <laughs> Realized I was gay. And uh, things changed. Went into other areas of service. In 1984, I decided to go back to get a, a master's in psychology and took a one-day workshop in shamanism, and that was it. So from then, I went into a 10-year apprenticeship in shamanism and uh, finished it and have been uh, a student of shamanism ever since. Uh, during the 90s, I was here a lot, um, and this was uh, my field of practice. And now, as it turns out, I now have another teacher, um, Tibetan, in the uh, uh, Julie Henderson and uh, oh, I can't think of his name. The psychiatrist that comes here and talks from Michael Hyde. I'm sorry. Michael No. Michael. Um, no. Um, from Australia. Oh. Um, oh. He's, he's spoke here several times. Yeah. I can't think. Anyway, it's a um, Zapchen um, group um, out of uh, Lama Wangdor, and we've been studying that now for six months. So uh, it's a new uh, learning experience. Now, for those of you who don't know what shamanism, let me just give a brief intro. intro. Um, when our species was first getting itself together in communities. 
we were trying to figure out who we are and where we came from and where we're going. And at that time, there was a, a very loose way of coming into ourselves and understanding that there was a spiritual element to life and that there were spirits that lived outside of ourselves. Um, in the Buddha Dharma here, of course, we're often talking about gods and goddesses and hungry ghosts and demons. So, and in early other religions, there's always this, there's always the same. What happened as we became more uh, organized, we developed uh, our religious organizations, such as Hinduism, and out of Hinduism comes Buddhism, and then we have Judaism, and out of Judaism comes uh, Christianity. And yet we kept what we learned in those oh, what, 40, 50,000 years of experience before we were developing um, these religions that would be considered patriarchal. Now, the reason I really <coughs> consider myself uh, a practitioner of the Buddha Dharma is very much the fact that this was given to us by Shakyamuni, a man on this plane who learned a lot and was able to transmit it over time. And it's stayed the same. There is no uh, god or goddess telling us this is the way. It's something that we can achieve here. Uh, nirvana, samsara, same. Possible here now. Uh, the third noble truth. We can be enlightened here. And uh, I like that idea. It also gives us a language to speak with. Now, in 1964, a decision was made among the shamanic practice, the native shamanic practice practitioners from North and South America, with some people coming from Asia, to welcome into their ranks for training white people, people who are now born to the tradition. The reason is because the genocide was so great, and as it continues today, and there were no young people within the traditions, so they wanted to. Uh, they wanted their traditions to continue. Gary Snyder, uh, poet, Pulitzer Prize winning poet, and uh, went, had, went to Japan, became a Soto monk, because though he was raised in the Northwest and was very much interested in the work of indigenous peoples, he could find no one to teach him. Went to Japan, became a monk, later became a householder. Why is it possible through the Buddha Dharma to come to shamanism? Uh, and the answer is very simple, because of the meditation practices. What we did here together this morning for a half hour is the basics. Being able to go inside and quiet the mind, and then with that quietness, directing to what we want to find out. So it's all a question of, in the beginning, intention. Shamanism, there's, uh, you can go to school for years, but Michael Harner, that this lady has mentioned, in the first, uh, first volume of Shaman's Drone, which is the uh, magazine that comes out four times a year, that is about what we call core shamanism. Core shamanism is really uh, trying to go to all of the different cultures that still exist, that still have shamanic practices, bringing them back, taking them, finding out what, what is the essence of them, and bringing them back to our <laughs> urban societies to see how, if, how we can use them. Um, Michael Harner in that first volume said, it took him one afternoon 
working with a tree to learn all he needed to know. Now, of course, this is after he had an ayahuasca journey um, with a Hibaro shaman. Um, I've gone through the Michael Hunter workshops, and they're very useful. So uh, you can't, it, it's good to have a teacher for a short, a short while. One of the reasons that I continued with shamanism when I started was because um, my, I had friends who had AIDS. We called it AIDS then, PWAs. And I wanted to find a way to help them. I wanted to find a cure. I thought, oh wow, these ancient Indians know a lot. Let's find that. Those of you who've read the Castaneda books, etc. Um, get tricked into learning a lot. Uh, it turned out I didn't find a cure for AIDS. Um, but I did find out something that was very useful. In the basic training for shamanism, the first thing you learn is how to journey into other worlds. And you go into another world, I, I won't go into technical stuff, but you go into another world, You've, you discover the power animal that is closest to you. Excuse me, if you were raised in the Catholic Church, it's your guardian angel that you were born with. Um, and with communication and interaction, you uh, get help in this world and with all the spiritual problems that we have. Now, people who, when I was working in hospice and they again in the uh, 90s, people would journey, find a power animal, find a way to communicate with that animal, and would have someone there all the time to guide them. Very useful, very useful. Without going um, much deeper than that, though they could have, um, they were given um, helper in their going out. So the ways of the shaman are very useful and practical ways. There's not a large ideology, a philosophy, it, except when, of course, you start talking to anthropologists who are trying to organize reality. Um, doesn't work that way much. So I have a hard time talking about it because how do you talk about, you know, you can teach someone how to ride a bicycle, but it's, it's really mu very much in the doing of, it's in the practice of it that the knowledge comes. Whatever I say about it uh, to someone isn't going to mean much unless you've done it. Now, it's going to mean a lot to all of you because you have actually done it. Just this morning, sitting there, you've gone to that place where, with intention, you can find out a lot of information about yourself, about your world, about uh, the Dharma. I mean, if you want to know what the Buddha is thinking about something, go ask him. Um, the, the availability is there. And that's why, um, you know, the Tao that can be spoken is not the Tao. Uh, the Buddha Dharma that can be read is not the Buddha Dharma. It's deeper. And as all of us who practice know. Now, I thought what I'd do is, we have time, I thought, what I thought I'd do is take you through a small journey. And this would be for those of you who want to, or I recommend it for everyone, you, because you can always say, no, I'm done with this. This is not what, I'm, this is not what I came for into the, into the Buddha Dharma. It's not useful. So if it's not useful, discard it. Um, I know how this, I know how it goes. And there are three ways you become a shamanic practitioner. You're called by spirit. Um, someone else says, 
you to, this is, we want you to be the shaman for the group, so therefore you're going to get this training, and uh, hopefully they've chosen correctly. Uh, I like the way the Apaches do it. They put a small child down, and on the right side they put all the bows and arrows, and on the right, right side, left side, and on the right side they put the uh, uh, cooking utensils, and then they start up a, they set up a large fire and yell fire, and the child has to run out. And what does he take with him? Does he take the cooking stuff or the bows and arrows? And depending, if he takes the, if he's a boy and he takes the cooking utensils, they figure, aha, this is someone who can take care of all of us. So um, he becomes a, uh, he becomes a shaman, and it's a girl, it would be the opposite. Because among, uh, at least as far as we know, through the anthropological studies, 80% of all the native indigenous tribal people here had a job, a social position for all the um, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered people. And there were transgendered people there. Not quite the way we know them. So when I use the when I use these terms, I'm using them kind of ahistorically, because I, right now we're we're in a queer moment, a queer moment of history. So when I if I talk about um, back then, in the 19th <coughs> centuries and going backwards, um, it's not quite the same thing. It's men loving men and women loving women. Um, what is different from the culture we have today, of course, is they all had. Um, social functions. Everybody had their own dream. And it was not, uh, if you had the dream, then everyone respected it. So that you find that uh, this is something that we are coming back into, I think, in this present queer moment, where historically, gay men and gay women have been at the forefront of spiritual life. And he's coming back again. Um, in the American Zen movement, uh, we see it with um, all of the leading, not all of it, many of the leading uh, teachers are dykes. So we get a lot, uh, we can begin to see this here. And of course, the founder here, uh, a gay man. So, uh, it's important, I think, for all of us to at least have the beginning tools because we're going to be called upon more and more to do this work of uh, leading the spiritual life of our different cultures and our different families. As a gay man, you know, I have my blood family and I have my family of choice. Now, the family of choice um, for me has been very important throughout my life. My brothers and sisters that have helped me survive. Uh, and I'm sure most of you would say, could say the same. In many Native American cultures where gay is good, the spiritual family is far more important than the blood family. And it, it is given much uh, acclaim. I was trained in, by Navajo lineage. In the Navajo tradition, up until 1930, the Nadal, for instance, which is the ruling uh, council, 98% of it were um, men who loved men and women who loved women. Uh, the irony, of course, is the Navajo nation has just come out against same-sex marriage. But um, throughout the uh, historical time of the Navajos, to be gay was to be almost worshipped. Every family wanted a, uh, a gay child because it meant prestige and it meant uh, that the, the gods loved you to give you a gay child.
So let's do a small um, introduction. For everyone, just um, sit where you are. Kind of, I suggest you close your eyes and uh, ground yourself by taking some deep breaths. of you who do not visualize when your eyes are closed, just think it. <clears throat> Follow the words. Mm. Find a place where you can go down. Visualize yourself there's a hole in the ground, there's a hole in the tree, there's a hole that you're digging, and go down that hole. And find out where you end up. And you can fly down that hole, you can walk down that hole, you can be there instantaneously. And look around you. And see what's there. Is there an animal or some animals? And do you feel it close or connected to one or another? Not keep going. Walk, fly. You see another animal, the same animal. Communicate with the animal. This spirit that you've met. Petting, brushing. Tell them about yourself. What do you need? What are your hopes? What are your fears? brings you joy. See, a spirit likes to be tickled. Does spirit tickle you?
now find a way to say goodbye. And come back here. Would anyone like to share what happened for them? When you first start to dig a hole in your side, me thought of something like Hellfighter or something. That when I dug the hole, what I actually did was uh, went down to the molten core of the earth. And uh, and then when you said find an animal, I thought, what am I going to find here? Because all there was was this molten core here. And uh, but then the idea of the phoenix popped in my mind. Mm-hmm. And. I guess because of the ashes, the phoenix rose from the ashes. Um, and I've never really pictured a phoenix. I don't have a good <coughs> image of, of, of that. Uh, but a bird, naturally a bird came to mind. And uh, so I was uh, ultimately riding on the back of the bird. But then when you said pet it, I have a strong bond with my cat, so I thought of my cat a little while. Then I stuck with the bird. and. Uh, um, I don't know if I got any sort of real communication there. Um, idea of there was just a sort of a, a silence. Um, but the uh, bird was friendly. The phoenix was friendly. Um, that's about it. Thanksgiving weekend at a sweat lodge and then it's dance fair and the bears thing. And uh, I was at the same place which was this just sparkling uh, Sierra Nevada rock ledge and, and meadow trees, big vista over maybe a lake, lake or something. And you know, just really commending with this guy and just independent and 
they're very connected with the other animals and very much <coughs> in favor of uh, uh, that community of all the animals. But very, very strong guy too. And he's connected for me to uh, the stars. I, I'm always looking at the stars at night, and there's a Ursa Major, you know, it's a huge, actually, full constellation is huge, and, you know, right there at the North Pole. Not, uh, anyway, I'm really happy to have encountered that, that kind of grounding animal energy as I stroke my. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anyone else? You can hold it. I mean, it's not something that can needs to be shared. Um, in many traditions, we don't talk about um, the, our spirit, the spirits we connect to. It's kept within. Um, for those of you who did find. Uh, an animal, I suggest that sometime today, before you go to sleep, you turn on your favorite music and let the dan animal dance you. That's the reciprocity. So that spirit can come back into this world and see what's going on through your eyes and through your body. So it's, uh, it's a good thing to do. If you want to continue with that relationship, you can, you can say no. I think you can say no. <laughs> um, I was called when I was four years old, and I said no. And I didn't, I didn't answer the call until I was forty-four. And all those years, there was a little. Are you ready? No, I don't want to hear about this. I am a, I am a rational man. I'm not going to have anything to do with this sort of thing. So it takes a long time sometimes. I'm assuming because you're here in front of this altar that you've already made some certain decisions that realize that yes, rationality is very important, but there are other forms of knowing that are also important. Um, oh, we did that very well. Is there anyone else that wants to share? No pressure here, I just want to go on. Yes? Well, I, let me start off by saying several years back with Mary, I had gone to Alaska. It was only my second <coughs> experience of being close to Native cultures. And the first one many years earlier, I think I was a little afraid of and ignored. I was very struck by the power of the symbol of the raven there. And when you talked about animals here, and <coughs> like you were suggesting, and then when you said another animal, I guess I was a little surprised the raven came to mind. Mm -hmm. And you talk about communication, and of course for me there was just silence between the raven and me, and yet there was uh, a communication of wisdom and strength coming from the from the raven. That um, it's just a very interesting experience. I was kind of surprised that it was the raven that came to mind. Mm -hmm. Anyone else um, anything to say? I wanted to oh, yeah. share a couple. Um, I had two images. The first one that came was of a cheetah. Um, and I feel very connected to African animals. Um, and I've had dreams about cheetahs. And I think mm -hmm. it's their liveness and speed and a certain gracefulness that I feel connected to and attracted to. And then um, I saw elephants, several elephants, um, African elephants. And I tried to have a dialogue, but nothing really came from that for me, <coughs> um, except a feeling of strength and groundedness um, that the elephant sort of carried. And, and wanting, I think wanting to be carried by the elephant, wanting to literally sit on the animal and to be carried or taken. So mm -hmm. I think that's as far as my journey went. Mm -hmm. Often uh, we dream our animal ally. Uh -huh. So I would 
you know, you might, if you were going to investigate this further, I would go with what you've been dreaming. Um, but through the dancing, we'll, we'll give you more clues and we'll open you up to communication because there's more ways to communicate than through our <coughs> voices, as we know. So, um, uh, you know, I'm wondering why, why animals and animal imagery. I guess, you know, I might think higher power or a light inside me or a tree. How did the, how did the animal how the, how the animals? Okay. Um, I think it's because of our, uh, throughout our history as our species, it's, it's our closeness. Um, we hunt them, we eat them, they become part of us. Um, in most traditions where you're hunting an animal, you thank them before because of the strength that they're giving you. Um, there are, uh, they let themselves be caught when they need to be. Um, there, I suppose this is going back to the worldview that everything is alive, you know, everything. And so um, everything is aware. So when we're talking to, when we're communicating with an animal, we're communicating with a consciousness. Um, in the uh, I think it's the Southern Cherokee tradition, trees are the um, librarians of the world. And so if you want to learn something, you go and you put your back to a tree and ask a question and just stay there until you get the answer. So trees are uh, trees are very important too. Plants. In certain traditions, where um, if you want to know about a plant, you go inside and you ask them. Now, do you all know in uh, in Tibetan there's no word for Buddhism? The word is Nangba, and it means one who goes inside. And that's what we all do in this tradition. We go inside. So here's another going inside. This time we're going, we'll, we'll do with a higher power. Okay. So if you're all um, settle in, this would be. I suggest you close your eyes. Now we're going to find uh, a particular teacher. And for that, we're going to the upper world. <coughs> so find a place at the top of a tree on a mountain top. Visualize it in as much detail as you can. Or you're in an airplane, you're high up. And I'd like you all to jump up into the upper world or fly there or snap your fingers and you're there and look around you and you're going with the intention you want to find a teacher a teacher that's going to be able to help you in some aspect of your life hold that intention and just travel When you come to a teacher, a spirit, ask them, are you my teacher? Think it. When you find that teacher, Communicate. Ask for the help you need now. Tell that teacher about yourself.
You might ask that teacher. What am I doing here now? Why am I here? How is the Buddha Dharma helping me? What am I giving to the Buddha Dharma? to say goodbye. You might want to set up another appointment if you'd like to come back. You'd come back here to this place at this time. Would anyone like to share? Were people able to find teachers? space but uh, he didn't say anything he just looked like he does there always which to me meant uh, um, the silence was actually saying just uh, you know read read what I said and see if it works just like coming off of this throne, you know, she's referred to all about the throne has its own little its own little uh, dais, it's ready to enter the world, she just just coming forward and she was her whole body was just her experience of light the light of her body was what she was feeling, she maybe had a physical body, I don't know, but it was just light that was in it that, that was uh, animating her and encouraging me to bring out that Okay, I want to thank you all for being here and doing this with me. Um, I always learn more than I can ever say. And I'd just like to leave you with this uh, blessing. We're going to do is do announcements and then congregate in a circle. Can you offer the blessing for us at that time? In a circle? Yeah. Um, now that we do announcements, or you want to do it now? Um, I think I want to do it now because I want to close this part. Right. Because it's not just a.
more of a memorial blessing to because uh, for Paul Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.